I have a message today that, um, honestly, uh, I was going to probably continue preaching on Samson, not Samson, David and Goliath. I talked about Samson, but I wanted to talk a lot about some Bible stories this summer. This series this summer is called Making Memories, and and I started thinking about the memories I had growing up in the church. I, I, I was fortunate enough to be raised into the church and went to Sunday school and and uh, I, my earliest memories, how, er, how, how, many, how, many, 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 how many people can remember when you were five years old? Okay, keep your hands up. How many can remember when you were four years old? How about three years old? And that's when it starts to run out on me. I don't know. Can you remember when you were two? Yeah, I, I can't either. My earliest memory is this, is a nursery at a church in Modesto. And... And I, and I couldn't have been all that old, but my earliest memory was in church. Those were some of the, and so when I talk about making memories, we should be uh, intentional and excited about making memories for our children and also for ourselves. And so as I started thinking about this, uh, I wanted to really talk about different Bible stories, especially as we have children in here with us. And today, uh, there's a Bible story that I'll get to um, but I think it's a, a real relevant story for us today as adults, as grown-ups, responsible people. And here's what led me to this. It was actually in my devotion time this week was when I came across this story again, and it's found in Kings, First Kings. But I was thinking about the state, the practical state of trying to survive and live today. Now, hear me out. I... I uh, I have lots of conversations with different people about survival, and, and I'm talking on, a, on the level of housing. I'm talking on the level of just having groceries to eat, and, and so, so it's going to be kind of a tough message, but it's, it's really relevant for today. I recently was talking with an individual, and, and, and they were struggling with the idea of uh, how can they continue to afford to live in this great state of California, and they were trying to consider should they continue to try to remain in this place, in this, in this state. I will tell you, we've lived uh, in other places. Uh, I was a child when we lived in Illinois, and, and I have in-laws that live in Missouri, and, and, and I know that people have moved around and jobs have moved people around, but what happens is there becomes this desire in us that says, I want more and I can't have more because the cost to live here is too much. And so maybe if I moved somewhere else, I could have more then. And so as I started to think about that, I was challenged with where do, what am I trusting in? What, what is that individual trusting in? Are they trusting in the Lord? Or are they trusting in themselves to be able to find a way to have more? As you guys know, with... Uh, Forth and Hope and the work that we do there, uh, we encounter people all the time that are really struggling just to make ends meet, just trying to survive another day. And in many ways, they lack hope, and they lack uh, the idea that there could be a future. But then there's those of us that have worked really hard. I know that in my life, I've tried to work really hard to get ahead, 
And when I say get ahead, not to um, just pay all my bills, but to have stuff. How many people are uh, stuff acquirers, otherwise known as shoppers? Who likes to shop? Have you heard of shopping therapy? <laughs> and have you heard of Amazon Prime? <laughs> it's the bomb. <laughs> I mean, okay, can I get real for a minute? I like to shop. I like stuff. To a fault. But I had to have some coffee cups, like throwaway disposable coffee cups. And I could go on Amazon Prime, and I had them in two days. I didn't have to leave my house. I, it, Amazon is, is incredibly interesting to me because it really scratches an itch that the flesh tends to have. And that is, I need, I have to have, I can get it now. And, and I live that daily. We are in a society today that there's so much pressure. It's in, intense to get, to get, to get, to have, to have. And when we can't get and when we can't have, then we have to change something so we have the ability to get and have. I have to uh, get a better job. I have to move where cost of living is less expensive. I have, to, I have to adjust things so I can get, so I can have. Because if I can't get and have, then, then what? I've said this before. I, I worked in a corporate job, and, and it was all about selling more, making more, doing more, more prestige, more money, more, more, more. And then when that got challenged, maybe somebody was threatening another person that if you didn't perform at a higher level, you might lose your job, or if you didn't, Here's a laundry list of things to do. Let's do them all. Let's do them perfectly so we can outperform everybody else. That was kind of the nature of the job. And whenever somebody felt like they weren't getting that done, then all of a sudden they got really nervous and uptight and fearful and scared. And I remember being really calm in situations like that and people calling me out, Doug, how come you're so calm? I had a boss once said to me, he says, I, I finally figured you out. You're really not calm. On the inside, you're just tore up. I said, well, no, I'm really not. He says, you're going to die of a heart attack at a young age. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, because what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the absolute worst thing that could happen? I would lose my job. I would lose my house. I would be homeless, have to move in with family. But I still have my God. And as long as I still have my God, I have a tomorrow. And if I have a tomorrow, then I have an opportunity to get back right again. That's the absolute worst thing that can happen. And I think I could survive that because I know God would be on my side. See, that, well, that's a faith that I had and I still have today. And I want to encourage us all today to live for him and not worry about your tomorrows. Live for him today. Let him take care of your tomorrows. We, um, man, it's such a challenge. We live in a world today, think about the stress that you have. We live in a world today that we want more. 
Has anybody, or is it just me, ever struggled with the overwhelming pressure of debt and paying bills? I know I have. It's, 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 a, it's a heavy pressure. It's a difficult time. But it's real. You know, in, in our life, it's probably been the biggest struggle that, that I've battled. Probably I'm 47 years old, right? <laughs> you know you're getting old and you can't remember how old you are. We've been married 27 years. I can remember that. And, and the biggest struggle I've, that we've encountered, and I should say that she's had to endure because of me, has been always around financial pain. Why? Well, now because of Amazon. <laughs> In the past, it would have been because of, remember Circuit City? I like electronics, so that was an issue. But it's been this, I have got to go and acquire this because I want it. I've told you this story before, but I'll tell it again. It's about the big screen TV. They came out with big screen TVs, and I had to have one. And so I remember going to Circuit City and applying for credit because I didn't want just the TV. I wanted to pay 20% back to somebody else for it. And they denied me. Well, how dare them <laughs> deny me? Because they don't know how much I want this TV. So we were living in Reading at the time, and so I found a little mom-and-pop shop that sold TVs. <laughs> and they gave me credit. <laughs> and for 10 years, I paid for that TV. <laughs> I showed them. And you know who else had to pay for that TV? Dina and the kids. You know, I've made so many mistakes in my life when it comes to finances. And it's for some reason for me, it's the place in my life that I, that I invite God into last. And, and, and I know I'm preaching to myself today. I don't think anybody else struggles with this. But God... Change my life. Make me new. I want to live for you, Lord. Okay, time out. i got to go pay my bills. And, it's, and, I, and I've always struggled with this. Even when I know better, I struggle. Why is that? Because there's this battle that goes on in this heavenly realm that you cannot see. It's a spiritual battle, and I believe that if the enemy can keep us, keep me enslaved to debt and to finances, then guess what? I can't live freely for Christ. Oh, and, it, and I've encountered it over and over and over again. I want to live freely from, for Christ, but I can't because I have to go make a lot of money to pay for my baggage. I... I, I Early on, I can remember sharing with young people, 18, 19, 20 years of age, and they're get going to college, and, and they'll, they'll, they would come to me and say, we really want to be in ministry someday. I, I feel like God's calling me a, to be a pastor. And the first thing I would tell them is this, learn to live cheaply. 
Don't go into debt. Because if that's the, you, then the world is wide open to do whatever God calls you to do. So as I was reading this, this story this week, I thought, wow, this is, this is a challenge to me. And, and so because I'm such a nice guy, I thought, well, I can't just be challenged. Everybody's got to be challenged with me. So that's why I want to share this today. What would it be like if we were no longer slaves to not just sin and death? We we're free of that because of our, our belief in Christ and what he did at the cross. But what if you were free, too, to, to go out and do all that Christ is, and God has called you to do? Well, it's going to take a great amount of faith. But it's not something that you that's impossible. First Kings chapter 27. Or so I've got these new contacts. And I can't really read. But it's first Kings 17, not 27. Um, and in this, we find a prophet. His name is Elijah. Elijah was an awesome man of God. He was a he was in a, it was in a time when the, the leaders of the country had turned their backs on, on the God of Israel, the Lord of Israel, and they were worshiping other, other gods. And the kings were leading this. They were, they were worshiping the, the God of Baal. And, and God is, is always good about recognizing the remnants and recognizing the the key people that will remain in him even when a community or a society has turned their back on God. You know, today I, I think about our, our society. Is our society uh, pursuing the Lord or, or have they turned their back on the Lord? And if they've turned their back on the Lord, what I'm excited about is God has people like you and I that will remain our focus on him and keep our focus on him. And this was Elijah in that day. Now, Elijah was really close with the Lord. In fact, Elijah's name meant Yahweh is my God. And, and that was quite a contrast to the, the day and age. And, and uh, I think about contrast. Today, we live in a society where no matter what you do, right, wrong, or indifferent, you're to be not just accepted, but to be deemed right. Acceptance and righteousness, acceptance and being right, aren't one in the same. This is a side note. If I am sinning, and you as believers, as Christians, accept me, that's good. But if I am sinning and you as Christians and believers come to me and say, you're right, that's wrong. But that's the society we live in today. Where acceptance is viewed as righteousness, but righteousness is holiness, not acceptance. In that day, Elijah was not accepting of the fact that he understood that people were believing in Baal. He was 
accepting of people, but he was not accepting the fact that worshiping Baal was right. In fact, it was wrong. And even his name would call it out. In the first few verses on the floor, it says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe, I guess, in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, a living God, not just a God, but a living God, the God he serves is a living God, There will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. See, Baal was a god that was, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? But a god of plenty, basically a a fertility. It was going to be a very fertile time. It was going to, so they would pray to Baal that that things would be plentiful. And what Elijah is telling him is, though my living God is going to actually, there's going to be no rain, no dew. For a period of time, which would mean that things would not be plentiful because God was going to prove that he is the only true God. But after he goes out and he proclaims this to the king in the face of the king, the Lord then says to Elijah, because Elijah knew God's voice, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near, near where it enters the Jordan River. And God says, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Elijah had such a strong relationship with the Lord. It wasn't a religious thing. It was a relational thing with the Lord that he knew his voice, and he trusted the voice enough to say, I'm going to send you to a place that you do not know. There will be water there to provide you drink, and I will send birds that will bring you food. That's weird. That's odd. But Elijah believed him and had faith in him because of his relationship and went and did that. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside the brook east of the Jordan. The ravens did bring him bread and meat each morning and evening. And he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Side note. When you are obedient and you follow what the Lord directs you to do, stay in relationship with him. Relationship's not something that you enter into and then enter out of or leave. You should continuously, continuously stay in relationship with the Lord. Because what would have happened if the brook dried up and Elijah did not have a relationship with God? He would have potentially died in that place. At one point, God's favor moved. And Elijah had to move with it. There's times in our life that that God will direct us, will, will do that thing. We'll get there, and then over time, it starts to dry up. I see this in ministry sometimes. God calls someone to ministry. They start entering into that ministry. Maybe somewhere along the line, they they start to think it's their ministry, not God's ministry. So they lose relationship with the Lord. God's favor moves on. That ministry dries up, and they burn out. 
what they did, though, is at some point they quit having the right relationship with God where he was first. It was his ministry. It became their ministry. They became first. And then there was nothing left for them because they lost the true relationship with the Lord somewhere along the line. But Elijah remained in relationship. So at this point, God says it's time to, to go. Then the Lord said, Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went there. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called her, bring me a bite of bread too. Hey, Dina, while you're in the kitchen, can you... Uh, I believe, though, Elijah wasn't sure who this widow was going to be, but when he called out the widow and said, hey, can you get me something to drink? And she was so willfully able to or willing to do so that he knew this was the one. And to further make sure that God's uh, word to him would be fulfilled, he asked her, would you also get me something to eat? Bring me a bite of bread, too, he asks her. But she said, I swear... By the Lord your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar. And a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. All I have is a little bit of flour left. And just a little bit of oil. Just enough. Just enough for what? I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. That's a person with no hope. Her reality was this. All I have is what I can see. And what I can see is not enough. So I'm just going to lay down and die. I thought, how many of us are like the widow woman? Not the little widow woman. That's from many years ago, by the way. Where you look at what you have and you say, well, what I have, God, is not enough. So let me go out and get more, do more, so then I have enough. Or, look, Lord, this is all I got. It's not enough, so there's no hope for me. That's my message for us today is, or my question in this message today for you is this. Are you in a place of no hope? Are you in a place where you're looking at what you have and it's not enough? And so you're just going to give up? Or are you in a place where you think you're man enough, woman enough, that you're going to rise up and get more, so then you'll have enough? But anything that man provides will never be enough. It will never satisfy. Now, what the widow went on to do, as we read in 1 Kings 17, verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. 
Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. Her reality was she was going to cook one more meal and die. But she had to, to muster up the courage, develop her faith to the point where she says, okay, I will cook the meal. I will give my first fruits to Elijah, the prophet of the Lord. And then... Hope that there's enough for me and my son. He's telling me that if I do it, God will provide. This has been the issue in my life. has been, okay, I know you say you'll provide. In fact, God, I've even seen you do it before. But today, I, let me do it on my own. I, that's really what I do at times. I'm getting better at it. Maybe when I'm 87, I'll have it down. But that challenged me. Will I give all I have left, even though I don't think there's a tomorrow, because God's asking me to? Time, energy, whatever it might be. She did. She did exactly as Elijah had encouraged her to do. And they continued to have enough the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Wait, wait, wait. How's that possible? Because she only had enough for one day. She had enough for one day. God had enough for all her days. You only have enough for a period of time. But at some point in time, it will run out. And on the other side of that run out is no hope. But with God, there's tremendous amount of hope. There's more days to come. And, it, and as we read in Scripture, and it talks about how, how the enemy or the, the enemy comes in and tries to kill, steal, and destroy that which is in your life. What's the enemy look like? The enemy looks like anything that would separate you from the Lord. I'm not going to say uh, Capital One's the enemy, but they're not necessarily my friend. Because they're stealing from me. And <laughs> I continue to read in that passage, and I know it's talking about a good shepherd and, that, and Jesus dying on the cross for us. And, and what's that for? Well, that's to give us life and a and a life more abundant. And, and it's not just a life more abundant. When you really take and you look at that word, it's, it's uh, perisos or something. It's something like that. It's, say, uh, perisos. That sounds better. Say perisos. It means special advantage or exceptional. It, it, it means extraordinary. In John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. 
or extraordinary life, a beyond life, a beyond life beyond what you can see in the natural. When you look at the business of your life and you can't see beyond your tomorrow, or when you look at the business of your life and you can't see beyond next month, that's ordinary. That's normal. That's the American dream that's turned into a nightmare. I would say let's stop pursuing the American dream and start pursuing dreams from above. A heavenly dream, heaven here on earth. Kingdom living is not the American dream. Kingdom living is is a life that is extraordinary. It's a life that's beyond the norm. But for me to get there, I have to be like the widow was, and I have to be willing to give whatever I have to the Lord. And then the Lord who has, it says in Scripture, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has it all. It's all his. I don't know if there's anything left in Fort Knox, but that's all his. Bitcoins. He's probably the first one to have bitcoins. Do you know what bitcoins are? A couple of us. But it's all his. So if I want to invest, then let me invest in the one that has it all. Because what he has is more than enough for me. I'll take the quiet as a good sign. I didn't finish reading verse 14. For a reason. No, let me read the beginning again. And it says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. So he's always going to provide for me. I can settle it right there. That's good. But no, he goes on. He says, until the time, and I look forward to this time, until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. When times are lean, there will always be enough, but there'll be times of plenty too. And I look forward to the times of plenty, but I won't worry in the times of lean. I will always try to be right with the Lord. That's, that's the challenge for me. Doug, will you always be right with the Lord when things are lean? Will you still be giving all of yourself to him first and then to everything else second? And when times are plenty, will you always give all of yourself to him first and then to everything second? Can I... God and I uh, have, um, when I'm obedient, we have two-way conversations. When I'm disobedient, it's usually one way. It's me to him. But the conversation we had on the mower yesterday, 
was, God, what is it in my life that has to change so that a community can be reached for you? Because I don't want to be the reason why people would end up spending eternity in hell or even living another day of this life absent Christ in their life. What is it, God, that I need to do? First fruits. Okay, God, but I've got that wired. I tend to be that way. I like to control things when it comes to everything. Am I alone in that? So what you're saying, God, is I got to give up control and trust? Yep. Okay, but what about this? Trust. Okay, but, but if this doesn't get done, then trust. But I really don't know how I'm going to trust. But what about, so, trust. But God, what do I do? Trust. He will give you opportunities to do, but he wants you to do with the things that he gives you. We hear about the parable of the talents and that he gives us in that in that parable, the master gave to his servants talents. Uh, In this case, it was money. He gave them to steward what he was giving them. You don't read or hear in the parable about the things that they stewarded that they already owned. Because that's not important. What you have is not as important as what he's going to give you, the steward. And and if you were a good steward and you took what he gave with your stuff and you took what he gave you and you buried it in the backyard, shame on you, according to the parable. So what is it that God wants to give you to take care of? Steward that well with everything else, just trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on, this is, this is my life encouraging verse. Dougie, Douglas Paul, Doug, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the hard part. Lean not on your own understanding. But I understand a lot, and I know you put it there. Lean not on it. He didn't say to be dumb. Just don't lean on what you know. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways. Everything I do is not credit to me, but acknowledgement of him. And he will make straight your paths or direct your paths. Church, what's standing between those that are lost and the cross? Is there things in your life that needs to be laid down or given first 
Is it easy? No. Now, I have an app. Side note, I have an app, and you can punch in your, your weight, and, and you can tell it your goal, and it'll tell you how many calories you should eat in a day. So I accidentally punched in a goal of 40 pounds more than I weigh now. It's a good goal. <laughs> Don't hate me on it. And it told me I could eat like 4,500 calories a day. I was like, yes, I can do that. That's easy. Unfortunately, the 40 pounds was supposed to go the other way, and, and then it said you get two calories a day. Because nothing great comes easy. Was it easy for the widow to give the handful of flour and the little bit of oil that she had left away? It wasn't easy. God kept adding and adding and adding and adding. And there was a day that the rains came and there was a harvest to be had again. I don't know where you're at in your life. I'll ask the worship team to come. Are you in a place in your life where it seems more like the widow woman, where I barely have enough to survive one more day. Will you trust him with what you have so that he can add more days to your life? And I'm not talking the ordinary life. I'm talking the extraordinary life. As a church, I often wonder, God, are we in the Season of no rain? Okay, so the season of no rain is one where I have to tighten the belt, give all that I have, as little as it may be, and let him add another day, another day, another day, and stay persistent and consistent and obedient in that because the day will come when the rains will fall and the seeds will germinate and they will begin to sprout and grow and harvest will come. But until I figure it out during the drought, I tend to believe that the rains are prolonged. Where are you at? Are you in a drought? Do you have some things to figure out? Would you all stand? Dear God, we thank you for your provision. And Lord, as I say that, I, I feel s stirred to define what provision is. Provision, I believe, in your eyes, Lord, is, is not stuff. It's not everything I can acquire through Amazon Prime. Provision is having all that I need to be free to minister and to worship you. I don't need things in order to worship you. I need a breath to breathe. I need a life to give. And Lord, the satisfaction that comes from worshiping you is incredible and amazing.
And God, I pray for those of us that have not encountered that, that amazing feeling of worshiping you and the fulfillment that comes from that. I'm not just talking about singing, God. I'm talking about the way we live our lives. When we live our life for you, Lord, and only for you and not for ourselves or for stuff and for things, it's very, very fulfilling. God, I pray that if if nobody has experienced that, that you'll stir up within them a desire to pursue you with all their being, that you'll surround them with with comforters and helpers and, and partners to help them in that, Lord to encourage them in that, Lord. Lord, I pray for the church. Lord, wherever we felt like we just had enough and we didn't know what tomorrow held, Lord, I I ask for forgiveness first for doubting. But Lord, I thank you for guaranteeing tomorrow as you established the church. Man didn't. You will keep the church. And man shouldn't. So Lord, I thank you for establishing the church. I thank you for our tomorrows. I thank you because the church is established for what? To reach those that are lost. To encourage those that are coming to you. And to train them up to go out and do it all over again. So Lord, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. I look to you, Lord, for your forgiveness and your mercy. Now, God, I pray for the individuals that have walked this walk. And maybe they've slipped. They've started to rely on themselves more. I ask for your forgiveness, Lord, for those of us that have done that. And I know you're quick and faithful to forgive us. Not so we can go and do it again and again, but so that we can go and do as you would have us to do, not so that we would continue to sin. Lord, I praise you and thank you for your forgiveness.